Well, good morning, Christ Chapel. Great to worship with you. Merry Christmas. Uh, last weekend was a special weekend and uh, enjoyed all of those, at all the worship services at all the campuses. And uh, today is going to be a special worship service as well. We want to continue in worship by allowing you to give as unto the Lord. And so uh, if you would like to give to Kingdom Causes, uh, you can do that by giving online. That's how Jen and I give. Uh, you can uh, drop in a physical gift outside of any of the worship venues in one of the boxes that are there, or you can text the code uh, on the screen and uh, it'll give you a link that you can give uh, securely to. Uh, while we're talking about giving, I do want to mention something that was in your sermon notes, and that is an end of year giving envelope. I just want to uh, walk through that very uh, quickly. Uh, as it comes to the end of the year, many people uh, talk about wanting to give a special offering or something like that, and so we want to give you an opportunity by telling you some things that are coming up in 2024. And so we want to connect the dots in order to share Christ. This entire year has been about reaching people uh, for Christ, and we want to help them connect those dots in order to share Christ. Connecting the dots is going to be kind of a theme for the message on Christmas Eve, and so we've just kind of taken that theme uh, for end-of-year giving. So I just want to tell you about the three things that are on here very quickly. Uh, the first is connecting to the minds of uh, post-college uh, interns who are exploring their calling uh, to serve Christ. Uh, this next year, uh, in the following school year, in 2024, uh, we would like to take some uh, students, some post-college students, and allow them some time to explore their calling in vo into vocational ministry. Uh, as you know, we have a wonderful college outreach that happens every uh, Sunday. We have three worship services at the college building every Sunday. Uh, wonderful things going on, and we're not seeing college students lose their faith. We're seeing college students find their faith and walk in their calling. And so we want to give uh, some of those students an opportunity to explore their gifts. Uh, they have gifts in evangelism, they have gifts in leadership, et cetera, et cetera. We want to give them an opportunity to see, am I going to go into full-time vocational ministry? Uh, so we're uh, kind of creating a 10-month internship for them where we'll give them a stipend, some uh, living assistance, help them, we'll give them a couple of DTS classes to take so that they can see, is this what what God is calling me to. Uh, we need to continue to connect to the minds of young adults. And so that would be a great help uh, if you have a heart for that. Uh, the second is connecting to the heart of the next generation by building a dedicated children's and student space at the South campus. Uh, we have a wonderful problem at the South campus and that is we don't have enough room for our children and students. We have too many of them, which is a, a great thing. Uh, every Sunday, if, if for the past two years, if you look back two years, our children's ministry has grown at the South Campus by 171% two years ago. Yeah, that's great. That was my wife clapping. Thank you, Jen, um, for starting that applause. Um, so yeah, two years, 171%. Uh, I think the student, the student ministry at the South Campus has grown over two years by 90%. And so uh, the, there's no space uh, on Sunday mornings for those students uh, to meet because the children have taken over the student space. So the students can't meet on Sunday mornings. We've had to move them off, which has affected other programming. So we've had to move women's ministry at the South Campus, et cetera, et cetera. So what we want to do is build larger, dedicated space at the South Campus for children's 
and students. And so uh, I think we just showed you a rendering of what the outside of that building would look like and uh, the inside as well of what we hope to do. Obviously, th this will take substantial gifts because we uh, do not go into debt. Constitutionally, we cannot, uh, but we would love to be able to do that so that we can reach the next generation uh, for Jesus. South Campus, I'm going to come down there on December 31st uh, to talk to you specifically. So really excited about what God is doing there. And then finally, connecting to those hurting in our world through local benevolence and aid to Israel. Uh, we're finding here locally uh, that obviously people are hurting because of jobs, because of economy, all of those things. We've noticed that the need has increased per family or per individual that we're giving out to those folks just because they're in need. And so we want to step into the gap to continue to help those in our own backyard to care for the poor and needy as Jesus has called us to. And then globally. We want to continue to step in. As you uh, can imagine, those needs are still great in Israel. We want to con continue with those humanitarian aid efforts and those evangelistic efforts uh, because uh, Jesus can transcend all of those things, whether it's borders or whether it's warfare and enemy lines. And so we want to continue to step into that to help those people that are hurting or in danger. So that is the end of your giving. So here's all that I would ask that you would do. Would you take that envelope home and just pray? Just, just pray. Uh, there, there is no pressure that you need to give anything to that. All I would ask that you would do is just pray and ask God, how would you want me to participate if you would want me to participate? Uh, a lot of people like to bring those uh, envelopes back or give on Christmas Eve. That's kind of been, become a tradition for them. Awesome, praise God. But all that I ask that you do is just, just pray and ask and follow the Lord as he leads you as far as end of year giving, okay? So that is, uh, that kind of, uh, sets the table for us and uh, where we're headed towards the end of the year and into 2024. But today we are in the book of Acts. So if you will, open your Bibles, please. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22, verses 1 to 21. It's page 931 if you're opening one of those blue Bibles. And we're continuing our series uh, only for a few more weeks as we finish the book of Acts. And uh, you'll feel like we're going really fast, like we're putting our foot on the pedal here to get through Acts towards the end of the year. But actually, there's kind of a repetitive theme that begins to occur in the book of Acts, which we'll be talking about today. But we're continuing our series, Revealing the Unknown God. And we've tried to give you strategies to help you reveal the unknown God to those around you, to those in our own backyard who do not know or walk with Jesus. And we've taught these strategies, if you will, we've just taken them from the scriptures and seen what has Paul done to reveal an unknown God to folks around him. And if you'll remember, just to recap some of the things, uh, he's used reason, he's used logic, um, he's used generosity, uh, he's used hospitality, he's used a lot of different things. And we've tried to equip you to be able to use some of those different strategies that are just biblical. We're not trying to, to uh, scam anybody or anything. We're just trying to introduce Jesus to people. Uh, that's it. And there's different ways uh, to do that. And so that's what we've tried to introduce uh, today. And so I want to tell you of a, a different strategy in a sense that Paul brings up. And it's a powerful strategy to use, especially uh, during the holidays. Uh, as it comes to the holidays, I know your heart's 
Many of you know that you're going to be around a family, and so you look for these powerful gifts to give people that might introduce them to Jesus. I've talked with many of you. We're praying for your family and your friends that you're going to be interacting with, and I have conversations like this around every Christmas holiday, which is, Cody, what is a good gift that I could give somebody? Or, or what is a good book? Or what's a good podcast? What's a good stocking stuffer? What can I give them that will have a powerful impact so that they would come to to know Christ, so that Christ would be revealed to them. And God can use all of those wonderful things in powerful ways in people's lives. But I don't want you to ignore the most powerful thing that you have. The most powerful thing that you have that can introduce Christ to people's lives is your own personal story. That is the most powerful thing. You don't have to buy it. Isn't that a great thing? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't cost you uh, anything. But your story of how you came to know Christ and the difference that he's made in your life is the most powerful thing that you can do, that you can share in order to reveal an unknown God to those around you. And where I get this from is in the book of Revelation. The Revelation. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, I don't want to go through the eschatological timeline. Just stick on these uh, two verses for me. It says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Uh, Accuser, the word Satan, the name Satan actually means accuser. So that's who it's talking about here. Okay, the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered the accuser by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. Okay, let me paint the picture for you here. The picture here is Satan accusing these people of being sinners. And we know from the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death, that that we deserve because of our sin, eternal damnation, eternal condemnation, eternal separation from God because of our own choices to sin. My own choice, that is what I deserve. And Satan is accusing people of that, going, you are a sinner. You don't have any reason, you don't deserve at all to associate with a holy God. And he's accusing and accusing and accusing. And here's the irony is, he's right. He's right. (laughs) I don't have anything, any reason why I alone deserve to be associated with the holy God. I deserve everything that my sin has accumulated. I deserve all of those consequences, but, but Jesus came to earth, which is what we celebrate on Christmas, to seek and to save the lost and to give his life as a ransom for many. And now Jesus stands in the gap between the accuser and us, and says, I have paid for their sins in full. My blood has paid the penalty for their sin. They don't have to, to die an eternal death. They don't have to be eternal separate, eternally separated from God. You see, Jesus' blood built a bridge to a holy God. 
And now he stands in the gap between us and the accuser. And every time the accuser says, yeah, but Cody did this, Jesus says, yeah, and I paid for that too. Amen. And I paid for that too, and I paid for that too, and I paid for that too. And he's going to say that until I meet him face to face. But he stands in the gap for me. And so what is powerful here against the accuser to overcome the accusations of, that, are, that are true and that are, that are real and that, that are right is the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony that I proclaim not only with my words but with my life that I have placed my trust in Jesus Christ. I have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It's nothing that I could do. I stopped trusting in all of my good works. I stopped trusting in trying to work my way to heaven. And I said, I need Jesus to pay for my sins. That's it. That's it. And whenever Satan accuses me, I go, hey, Jesus said he's got me. He, he said it. So you can talk to him. And he can go and talk to him and he goes, yeah, I paid for it, paid for him. You see, the most powerful things in the heavenly realms, and we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but of the powers of the spiritual realms. The most powerful things there are, the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. That is the most powerful thing. And so when we talk about how do we reveal an unknown God to those around us, you don't have to go onto Amazon to look for a powerful gift. You don't have to fight crowds. You just have to go to Jesus. Because he's given you a powerful story of a transformed life. The word of your testimony. And here's why I bring that up. Because that's essentially what Paul is going to be sharing as he continues to go through Acts. I told you there's kind of a repetitive theme. And what is going on here in Acts is Paul is making his way back to Jerusalem. Remember, he started in Jerusalem and then he launched out. He's been on now three missionary journeys, but then he felt called to go back to Jerusalem. And we've, we've talked about this. In Acts chapter 20, he was in Miletus with the Ephesian elders. In Acts chapter 21, we find him in Caesarea with Philip uh, the evangelist. And now he's headed back to Jerusalem. And in Acts 21, he goes into the temple but causes such a stir in the temple because this is the one who's turned against us. He used to be one of us and now he's turned against us. And not only has he turned against us, he's bringing Gentiles here. What? What is going on? And so they, he causes such a stir, he gets kicked out of the temple and the, the Roman tribune comes in and they take him into custody so that the city doesn't go up in a riot. And now they begin to accuse Paul of rioting. Of, of causing a stir. And they go, tell us your account. What is going on? Why such a stir around you? And it gives him an opportunity to tell of the difference that Jesus has made in his life. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna walk back through his story. Uh, we're gonna start at the beginning and kind of take out some elements of story. And these elements are 
elements that you can apply to tell your own spiritual story. And then I'll give you some equipping things at the, at the end of the sermon. And then we're going to end in a really special way that I think will inspire you, hopefully. It's my, been my prayer that it would inspire you to share your spiritual story uh, this Christmas season. So we're going to start uh, back at the beginning where I want you to see that every powerful story has a past. Every powerful story has a past. It doesn't matter if it's literature, it doesn't matter if it's theater, it doesn't matter if it's film, it doesn't, it's, it's real life. Every powerful story has a past, has a context that someone has come from. And Paul is no different. In verse three, he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, that is Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. See, Paul brings up his past when he's talking about the the reason why he's caused a stir in the city. And he's bringing up his past for a couple of reasons. First, is because he wants to uh, proclaim his right to a due process under Roman law as a Roman citizen because they're about to kill him. And he's going, hold up, I'm a Roman citizen. So he's bringing up his past in, in that way. But he's also bringing up his past because he's relating to everybody around him. He's saying, guys, look, I'm just like you. I grew up under Gamaliel, who was a respected uh, rabbi of that time. And we've talked about him in the, in the book of Acts uh, earlier on in our series. But he says, I grew up under Gamaliel, who, whom they all respected. All of the folks that are kicking him out of the temple respected Gamaliel. He said, I grew up under Gamaliel. I grew up under the strict manner of the law. I was zealous for God, as all of you are today. I'm just like you. I was just like you. Let me tell you about my past. You see, one of the reasons why we bring up our past when we tell our spiritual stories is because it's, it relates. It, it relates to people. We, we've all been there. We've all had struggles. We've all struggled with our, our purpose. We've all struggled with our identity. We've all struggled in our marriages. We've all struggled to, to be good enough. We've all struggled to be accepted. We've all, all of us have struggled. Let's be real about it. Your past is relatable. Your past is what builds a bridge to other people in order to share a spiritual story. Because one thing we all have in common, you fill in the blank of we all had a past of X, Y, and Z. But the thing that we all have in common is we're all sinners. We've all walked away from God at one time in our lives. We've all wanted to go our own way. But your past doesn't have to be your present. You see, every powerful story has a turn. Every powerful story has a turn. And Paul brings up what that turn is in uh, verses six through eight. He said, as I was on my way, uh, this was after he wanted to persecute the way. He says that in verse four, which ironically, that's exactly what the Jews are doing to him, those, those Jews in the temple. 
He said, I was persecuting the way too. I was on my way to Damascus about noon and a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me and I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Paul is on his way to persecute the way and he stopped in his tracks. He's turned in a different direction. He's turned toward Jesus in a very dramatic fashion. And that's the turn. And in fact, when we talk uh, in salvific terms, that's what repentance means. And uh, we've talked about that definition. Repentance means to change your mind or to turn the other direction. To stop trusting in whatever you were trusting in, good, good works, or hey, I'm good enough, or hey, I do a lot of nice things for people, or hey, uh, my uh, grandpa was a Baptist preacher, or whatever, and saying, that's not gonna get, that's not gonna reconcile me to a holy God. The only thing that's gonna reconcile me to a holy God is what Jesus paid on my behalf when he died on the cross for my sins. That's it. And turning toward him. You see, every powerful story has a turn just like that. And for some of you, it is like this lightning bolt moment like Paul had where it's this aha and it's like, oh my gosh, this, my life has completely changed. And for some of you, it's more like a light bulb moment where it came on, but the, the light just continues to grow. It's like it's on a dimmer and the light continues to grow more and more. I'm not telling you what your story has to be, if it has to be a, a lightning bolt or a lightning bulb. Here's the bottom line. Where are you today with Jesus? That's the bottom line. What are you, what are you trusting in? Where, where are you today with him? Are you turned toward him? Saying you're the only way, sorry, this way, he was over here. Are you turned toward him? You're the only way that I can be made right with the Holy God. That's the turn. There has to be a turn at some point in, in your life where you say, I'm not going to trust in that. I'm going to trust in him. Maybe dramatic, maybe not. But this was a dramatic turn and every powerful story has a turn. And then every powerful story has implications as well. If a person's experience truly is powerful, then there are lasting implications. Can we agree on that? I mean, that, logically, that makes sense. If there's been a powerful encounter, then it, there's a residual effect. It, it's not just a, oh my gosh, Jesus saved me, he changed my life, and now I'm gonna go back and live the same way I was living. That, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Every powerful story has implication. And Paul tells of what an implication was here in verse 21. He said to me, this is Jesus saying to Paul, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now remember, as a Pharisee, Paul didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. He was happy right there in Jerusalem around people he knew, customs he knew. That was his comfort zone. But now, because Jesus has turned him around and turned him towards him, there are implications and Paul ends up giving his life for the sake of Christ, being an apostle to the Gentiles. Why? Because Paul says, and he tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. You were ransomed back. 
You were once enslaved to sin, but I paid your ransom to set you free from being enslaved to sin so that I could set you free to serve me and experience that abundant and eternal life. You're not your own. But now you're a slave to righteousness, to freedom, to joy, to peace, to goodness, to kindness, all of those wonderful things because you walk with Jesus. That's why Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. These are the implications to Paul's life. And there should be implications to our life as well. Not just in what we say, but yes, what we say, but also in how we live. Showing that Jesus has made a difference in our lives. You see, you have a powerful story. You have a powerful, if you've met Jesus, you have a powerful story. And if you haven't placed your trust in Jesus Christ, why not today? You're walking down a dead end road. He's right there. Just as Paul said, he's not far off. Just turn. We talked about that in Acts chapter 17. Just turn. He's right there. You have a powerful story. And it's my prayer. I'm going to be praying this for you. We're doing 21 days of reach, if you'll remember. I'm praying that you get an opportunity to share your story one time this Christmas. Everybody, one time. Every person, one time, one story. That's what, that's what I'm praying for you. Now, I, I would love for you to be able to share your spiritual story of how you came to know Christ. But I also know that that's not always the easiest story to share. And, uh, you know, your opening Christmas presents like, hey, Grandma, can I tell you about Jesus, you know? And I understand that that's not that easy. So, so let me tell you, those elements of story apply to the first time you came to know Jesus, but it also applies to how you follow Jesus on a day-to-day basis. Hey, I was struggling in my marriage. And you know what my wife and I began to do? We began to pray. We began to pray together and say, Jesus, we need your help, and here's the difference that that made. Yet there's a past, there's a turn, there's implications. You can tell a a powerful story of just followership of Jesus, your discipleship of Jesus. Pick whatever subject. Hey, we were struggling in, in our finances. We decided that we need to honor God in our finances. We turned to him. And here's the difference that it's made. Hey, we were struggling parenting our, our child and we've turned, to, we've turned them over to Christ and here's how we're beginning to try to introduce the Lord, et cetera, and walk with him. And here's the difference it's made. You, you've got the same elements in discipleship as you do in salvation. And so tell those spiritual stories to help reveal an unknown God. So let me give you some very quick applications. Because these are going to be equipping tools for you in order to share your powerful story first. Allow Jesus to free you from your past. And I mean that in a a negative way, meaning uh, some of you are stuck in shame and guilt. And let me tell you, there's somebody out there who's stuck in the same thing. And they need to hear that you were stuck in that, whatever it was, and Jesus changed your life. They need to hear, don't get stuck and say, God could never use me. Drew, you do remember Paul murdered Stephen. Paul murdered Christians. If anybody said, I am not qualified to go and represent you, Jesus, it's Paul. And he was the one that God chose. He has chosen you 
to reveal him to those around you. Don't ignore that call. I also mean it in, in a positive way. Allow Jesus to free you from your past because some of you are trying to keep up this persona of perfection and you can't keep it up. He's never asked you to be perfect. Jesus was perfect. You need to begin to rely on his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness, not your own works, not your own righteousness, not your own church attendance, not your own check in all the boxes. You can't do it. That's a burden you're not meant to bear. You need to let Jesus free you from your past, whether you think you're great or whether you think you're terrible. Second, always highlight Jesus as the hero of your story. Always highlight Jesus as the hero of your story. Why? Because Jesus is the hero. Don't, your story is your story, yes. But the reason why it's a powerful story is because Jesus changed your life. And honestly, when Jesus is the hero, that is far more relatable than if you're the hero. If you're the hero, then people go, I can't do that. But if Jesus is the, the savior that swoops in and saves you by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, that's relatable. That, that, that's accessible. Allow Jesus to be the highlight of every story that you tell. And then finally, align the rest of your story with Jesus to see his power. There is more story of yours left to be written. So align your story to his. Say, Say, my life is not my own. Go back to that 1 Corinthians 6. Go back to that Galatians 2.20 and say, my life's not my own. It's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. I want you, Lord Jesus, to show your power in my life. So align your story with his story for the rest of y'all's story. Now, I've thought about how I want to conclude this sermon and I could try to convince you all day long to share your story. And I hope I've done the best that I could because you have a powerful story to tell that can transform people's lives and reveal an unknown God. But I also thought probably the best way to do it is to show you stories of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. This is a video that we captured a few years back. In fact, a couple of the saints that are in here are now with Jesus face to face. And every time I've watched it, I've cried this week because this is just powerful, powerful stuff. It's real stuff. Men, women, young, old, all walks of life, grew up in church, didn't grow up in church, but Jesus changed their life and you're going to see their past. You're going to see them turn to Jesus and you're going to see those implications because they have a powerful story just like you. Watch this. My uh, parents were not religious. We never went to church as a family, and um, as far as I know, there was no Bible in our uh, in our house. I was nine years old. I grew up in a Christian home that uh, attended church every Sunday. But I never really had the understanding and appreciation for really what Christ uh, has has done for me. I grew up um, in a Catholic home, and I thought I was a believer. We went to church on Sundays because we were told to go to church. Well, I grew up in a, um, a Christian home. My mom worked at the church, so. I was there in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, uh, and every Wednesday. Great Christian family, went to church every Sunday. I 
grew up in a family that was really poor, and we never went to church. We moved around a lot, um, so there really wasn't a lot of connections as far as like friends or family because we were constantly in a state of moving. We didn't go to church except maybe once or twice a year, and I worked really hard to make everybody happy all the time. There was definitely something missing in my life. I knew it. I didn't know what it was. We tried the Eastern religions for a while, ended up in the New Age for a while. I had been practicing law in Fort Worth for eight years. I was a member of a church where I was working my way into heaven. Uh, in my adult life, everything that I had worked so hard for to achieve didn't bring me any satisfaction at all. In fact, the very things that I had worked hard for became a burden. I was really focused on myself. Uh, my marriage uh, was definitely struggling. and I was trying to find anything that had a real connection that had any, I don't know, to make me feel good. Well, I was materialistic and I was um, fearful. Anger, loathing no sense of purpose in life. Unhappy, frustrated, I mean, my life was, and very empty. And I thought, is this all there is? I don't think I was living the way God wanted me to live. And I just, I woke up one morning and said, I'm back where I started. I've been searching and I'm lost. God let me walk through enough pain over the course of several years to make me realize, finally, get it through my hard head, that I was not in control and that, in fact, He is. I think God, He sent Billy Graham to witness to me on TV, and He convinced me that, you know, just because I hadn't, I wasn't committing adultery, I wasn't out killing people, I was still a sinner. I mean, you know, anger, bitterness, resentment, those are sinful things and that can eat you up, and it was doing that to me. I went to Vacation Bible School when I was 12, and I learned that Jesus died for me, and I needed His sacrifice to make me right with Him. My brother was two years older than me. Uh, he started to learn about Christ and accepted Christ. Uh, he was gonna go to heaven, and, and I wanted to go with him. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit was just like, you need to come to me. But it wasn't until I was in the Navy and I was about 18 or 19 years old that I was confronted to the, the true depth of who Jesus is and what sin is. And I was just brought to a point where I needed Him and I was tired of trying to do it all by myself. Christ our King, He's worthy of all our praise. Christ our King, I heard the good news of Christ from uh, individuals that came to me uh, encouraging me to read the Bible. They just kind of came into my life and out. It was just a brief encounter. I constantly heard the good news of Jesus Christ all my young life. So uh, during our first year of marriage, we would make round trips to Corpus Christi, which was 12 hours um, every other week for about six months because my dad was ill. So as soon as we'd get into the car, going 65 miles an hour, he'd start telling me about Jesus Christ. And after about six or seven months, I finally started <laughs> getting it. My, my parents were actually my Sunday school teachers when I was a child, and 
And uh, yeah, so through that and, and at home. I, you know, was presented the gospel many times and. Did counseling with the, the pastor and we went through a, a process of questions and what, what I was getting myself into. This neighbor of mine asked if it would be okay if I went to church and I was always so desperate for friends. I was like, yes, I want to go. And so um, we went and um, I was all by myself and, but you know, went to this church. It was very charismatic and exciting. And, and whenever they started talking about Jesus, I mean, it was a part of my heart that is just kind of leaped up and said, that's what I want. This young man took the word of God and showed me for the first time in my life that Jesus Christ died on that cruel Roman cross to pay for all of my sins. <laughs> my whole thinking changed, my words changed, my actions changed. I developed more uh, compassion and love and understanding for my family and friends. Everything just blossomed. I guess the biggest uh, thing it's done for me in the last eight years is to really come to know what it means to be a Christian husband. You know, God, you know, teaches me how to how to love others, how to love my wife. I have a total different outlook on life and on everything, everything. The way I respond to my husband, uh, I understand submitting to your husband, how uh, rewarding that is to do that. He has shown me that there isn't anything that I can do to earn his love, his salvation that I've never felt more alive than I did whenever I turned around my life and accepted him and just gave everything to him. It wasn't like I didn't, the struggles went away, you know, but they weren't the same, not the same. His grace was just amazing to me. The fact that he loved me after everything that I had done was amazing to me. He is the epitome of love. He's the first one that really showed me a love that was so deep and so rich and so alive. There's just so many things and just feeding on the Word and obeying the Word and the way God blesses when you do obey Him. Life is good with Christ. You know, more than just a Savior, God is, you know, God is a Father to me. I really can't live my life without Christ. I talk to Him every day. That's what I want people to see in me is love. I want them to see you know, Monday morning, Saturday morning, whatever day it is that I want to show how to love and to be loved and to just love all those around me. That I don't have to do it all by myself. That I'm not created to do it all by myself. And that God's got a wonderful, uh, perfect plan. Uh, doesn't mean you're gonna, you're gonna know it all, but it's going to be a great ride. And uh, through His grace and uh, my faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, I have been saved. <laughs>